The following program may contain viewpoints and opinions that do not necessarily reflect those of Radio That Doesn't Suck Incorporated or its employees. Welcome to Real Estate Toronto, the radio show about buying and selling real estate in the greater Toronto area with Aura Ross from the Mulholland Ross Real Estate Team. 30 minutes of hot topics and indispensable advice from experienced professionals that work for you. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to Mulholland and Ross, realestatetoronto.com. On a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Yes, lovely. I'm just grooving here. I love that intro music we're happening. I'm like dancing in my seat. You realize that this is just a bait and switch because normally, you know, we've got weird weather going on when we're doing this show. I so know. I try and put us in a beach zone. That's right. That's right. We should not be complaining. I think we are, we're down to less than five weeks to... New Year's Eve yeah. or something like that. And we, I didn't, I, I am not wearing a jacket. Well, I'm wearing a jacket, but not a coat. I'm and not then it's coat. summer. I mean, it's right around the corner. So. Yeah, there you go. Um, we've got an exciting show planned. You know, we do so much talking about, um, you know, you always hear me talking about how I think that it would be great if people could just invest in real estate and if they weren't so fearful about buying that second or third investment property. So um, I've got a fabulous guest, Mark Schulman, on today, who's going to share with us a bit of his story about how he, you know, he now owns a number of multi-unit uh, apartment buildings and um, can be a little intimidating to see where he's at today. But when I kind of learned where he started, I thought, what a great story for the show. Let's hear about the guy who started with that one property and and did what we keep talking about on the show, you know, to the point where I believe he even had to leave his full-time job. Nice. Because this just, it, it earned him more money. It gave him the lifestyle he wanted. And um, quite frankly, it was, it became his full-time job. I'm thinking of a new career. There you go. Yes. Me too. So you may have someone sitting in this chair next week that is not me. <laughs> well, we're out there finding you that investment property. Yeah, you'll be here. Who will be here? No one will be here. There'll be a show. Somehow we'll do it in our spare time. Stay tuned. we got more at realestatetrump.com coming up after this. The music you'll hear on Out of the Blue will be jazz for the most part. No specific styles or genres. Every piece of music is handpicked to deliver quality performances. Out of the Blue can be heard on rtds.ca, live Mondays 1 to 3 p.m., and encore performances Tuesday to Friday, anytime on demand. It's the true spirit of jazz, a touch of everything and then some. Thanks for listening. I'm Larry Green. selling a home, condo, or investment property may be one of the largest transactions you'll ever make. It's important to gather as much information as you can, and preferably from experienced, successful professionals. When it comes time to make your move, call the Mulholland Ross Real Estate Team with Keller Williams Real Estate Service at 416-230-8500 or visit www.realestatetoronto.com. Whether you're making your first move or selling your much-loved family home, the Mulholland Ross Team offers over 26 years of real estate sales and services.
service across the GTA. Listen every Sunday at 4 p.m. here on Radio That Doesn't Suck to hear the team share advice and information that will assist you with your personal wealth through real estate. Questions or topics you'd like to see covered? Email info at realestatetoronto.com or call the Mulholland Ross team at 416-230-8500. I did that very thing and... I'm very happy with the results. There you go. Yes. Hey, we have a live testimonial on the air right now. <laughs> yes. And we have a live guest with us, too, but not in studio. This is a first for this show. Yeah. So we have Mark Shulman from up in Huntsville on a lake. Yeah, okay. Enough. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but, Mark, thank you so much for being on our show today. We've heard such wonderful things about you and, and about your journey, your journey to being a, um, a real estate investor and someone who, who, I guess, manages. You have some multi-unit places that you manage? Yes, I, I do have multi-residential apartment buildings, um, uh, both in Canada and in the United States. Oh, that's fabulous. Okay. Yeah. It's always good to have U.S. cash flow, especially with the dollar exchange these days. Absolutely. Todd and I are going, what were we thinking? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so what I, what I, you know, uh, Todd and our listeners out there hear me every week talk about how you don't need to be a multimillionaire to start that investment uh, journey, to start um, owning a property other than the one you currently live in. And I'm, I know that we come up with a lot of, we come up against people with a lot of objections as to why they would not want to own another property. And most of it, I think, comes to fear and the fear of this massive picture of how would they ever do it. So what I'm hoping you can share with us is, you know, I, I assume your first purchase of an investment property may not have been a hundred unit multi-residential apartment building. Right, right. You know, my, my first purchase was um, in 1998, and it was a 16-unit building. Okay. I, I could have bought a smaller one as well, but this one, uh, I had to put down about um, $100,000, so okay. it was about 15%. I, I paid 750 for it. And, you know, it's, it, it's funny. Over the years, I found out that most real estate investments are owned by more than one person. Ah. And there's a lot of people that have partners. And it's not just um, people attracting partners because they don't have the money. It's uh, because they, it's nice to diversify. If something, if, you know, if there's a big capital call that you need to fix a roof and it's $100,000, well, you only have to come up with your, your percentage. If there's, you know, if there are any of those things you, you might be fearful of, um, uh, you know, actually happens, you don't have to take the full brunt of it yourself. And so... Um, one solution to a lot of cash is have a partner. That's that's actually great advice, and we've talked about that with regards to even some of our un, our new young buyers trying to enter the real estate market. Is maybe you're doing your first purchase, you know, with somebody. You Absolutely, know. And it so, does help. Yeah, so that investment, taking on a partner and investment, is a great idea. And you know, one one little trick is sometimes you can own fifty percent of the property but put in less than 50% of the cash. Oh, tell There's us some, a little well, bit about that. Sometimes, and I'll tell you, that first building I bought, I, I had some uh, an RRSP, and I knew I wanted to buy an apartment building, and I didn't have the $100,000, or I didn't even have half of it. I had about thirty. But my partner, who had more money than me, said, look, at, you're short 20, I'll lend you that 20, 
uh, you know, for a couple of years at 5%, he was, yeah. which was more than he was getting at the bank. I put my, you know, some of my shares up against it, and, and so I put in an, an unequal amount, a lesser yes. amount, but I also managed the property, and that was the thing for him, that one, that somebody who had a vested interest in the property was managing the property. Okay. So, you so, know, if something went wrong, he knew I was going to be there very concerned and not let a small problem become a big problem because I was invested, um, you know, as much as him in the, in the responsibility of that property. So, so that so, was a real win-win for both of you then? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That, now, was that first property in Toronto? You know, that first property was just outside Toronto. It was in Barrie. Okay. And um, the, the properties in Toronto, the return was just a little bit too lean. And this one, the re- not only the return was a little bit better, usually when you go to a secondary market, you get a bit better of a return. Yeah. But the, the amount of down payment was also a little bit better. So, I, you know, it was affordable for me. Well, I think you you nailed a couple of key points, and one is what I find being a realtor in Toronto, talking to people who are in Toronto, they feel that Toronto, well, we all know Toronto's the center of the universe. The universe, wow. yeah. Um, but, but they almost feel like, well, why would I do this in Cambridge? Or, well, Barrie obviously is now becoming this big... It's our uh, ...successful city, but in 98, when yeah. you did it, Barrie was like... It was a smaller town. It was a little bit out there. Yeah, that that was a big... People here would might have thought of that as being a risk, but you actually were just looking at the numbers. You know, looking at not only the numbers, but the stability, the integrity of the top line. Is it a... uh, You look at the vacancy rate. You educate yourself. Make sure that... I mean, you don't want to buy a building in a remote area where if you lose a tenant, it could be a year until a new one. Sure. You want to make sure that the, you know, the numbers are, are good and tight so that you'll be able to experience some, some uh, consistency in, in your business. That's really interesting. So you bought this one property for around 750000 which won't even get you a bungalow in Toronto now. Right. Um, however. Yeah, that was in 98, but I'll yeah, tell you the, the no, numbers. That was big money back then. That was big money. You know, I was making probably, you know, I was making $200,000 a year, but, you know, with taxes and cost of doing business and all, it's how much money you take home. Right. And, and, and with an apartment building, a lot of the cash flow is, is sheltered with tax uh, treatment, uh, preferential tax treatment. And so it, while it was a lot of money, um, uh, it, it was very, uh, a very efficient use of the money. Yeah, yeah. Now, you, you had your one. You got that under control. Right. Um, you physically managed it yourself, which I've got to tell you, some of the folks we talked to today, you know, with kids, with parents aging, with their own jobs, they're busy. And I'd say the one fear of buying that secondary property is that time. Would there be services out there that you would say would make sense if someone were to purchase maybe something a little smaller on their first go? And and would it make sense to maybe hire some kind of management system? You know, uh, I've learned over the years um, that a lot of the management 
that I did in the in in the first few years was really overdoing it. <laughs> there are a lot of people, you know, in the end, I found out that I really didn't know how to repair a refrigerator, and I didn't know how to fix, um, you know, a broken whatever. And, and I, so in the early years, I'd run over there for every little reason. Sure. And after years and years, uh, I would say, okay, I'll phone the handyman, right. that, you know, the two or three handymen, and they'll come over. And you don't need to be there to open the door for the handy guy. You don't. You know, okay. you, you, you know I always had a superintendent to collect the rent. And, and over the years, I, I was able to wean off, uh, and it was a security thing. It was just, yeah. you know, I was nervous that, yeah. oh, no, my building, is something's going to happen to it. But sure. uh, once you become comfortable with um, the way the buildings run, um, it's, you really don't need to spend a lot of time. It's just... Yeah. Well, just the, your, own, your own insecurities that, that you think you, you're going to have to be there all the time. Okay. So for some of us that have not done this, and, you know, I heard you, you bought a, a place with a partner. The first place was with a partner. What kind of discussions did you guys have before you actually entered into this agreement to, to make sure that you were on the same page in terms of your goals? Was, was his more of a, here's my money and I want to make money and I don't care about the building, and yours was very much, I'm going to be the active participant? Well, you know, the, uh, the the one thing that was important to me when I had a partner was that he, the partner didn't have to sell the building very quickly. It wasn't money he was using that if he doesn't get it back in six months or a year, he's going to have a problem. So that there was no, there was no real timeline in terms of where, when we had to sell the property, which gave us a lot of uh, flexibility in terms of what to do with this building. Maybe we would own it for the rest of our lives, and 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 maybe we would sell it in two years or in five years. So, um, I, I you know it was helpful that my partner didn't need the money very much. Oh, and, that's that's and, a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Now I needed the money, mm-hmm. but um, uh, but I was in charge. I was I was running the property, and I was uh, my goal, of course, was to get some cash flow out of the property. Right. And, you know, any kind of cash flow is good. Yes. Um, so it, it, it's, it's very important that you have a partner that's sort of on the same page in terms of time frame. Sure. After that, it's, sort, it's easy. Now, how did you go? I guess our, my big question, we've only got a couple minutes left, but maybe time for this question. Sure. Did, to get to that second building, did you have to sell the first building? To get no, to your second you know, building. I'll tell you, there is a, a principle in real estate, and and really, you want to get your money back. When I invest money in real estate today, the first thing I, the first question I have is, how long is it going to be until I get my money back? And no, not not by selling the property, it's by refinancing the property. Right. And when you buy the right property, you should be able to add some value to that property. So that the income is a little bit more within two years, no more than five years, but mm-hmm. you know, two years is good. You can refinance it, get all your dollars back, and go buy your second property. And that's exactly what I did with my first property. And how long did that take you, roughly? It, you know, I was. It took me three years, but I could have refinanced it in two years. Uh, but in, in in this case, it was three years. I got all my money back. I paid him back. And in fact, we had a little bit of money left over, so I had my original investment plus a few bucks to go ahead and buy my second property. Well, what's interesting to note is in 98, well, I guess we were coming out of, you know, we were now in an in a improving market. You weren't doing this in a market that was continually going down. You were an improving market. Mind True. you, we weren't going up by leaps and bounds every year like we've been seeing the last two years. 
Well, you know, every market has its challenges, but yeah. if you put the time in, you'll find the right property to buy. And if, as long as you stick by a few principles you'll, and, and stick to those principles, you'll, you'll find the right property. So we have to cut for a break. I know Todd's giving me I the have, look. Well, I have one quick question. But i got to hear these principles. Yeah. <laughs> I have one quick question before we go to break. Actually, one comment is he got his money out. Mark got his money out and paid off his investor. And so people are thinking, where did he get $750,000? No, 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 no. We just have to be cognizant of this and this is me as a as a you know a new investor i'm thinking i've got to get all that money out you just need to get what you put in that's right so it's really really I just simple. put on a new uh, mortgage that was $150,000 more than my last mortgage well, question is how could i get a new mortgage that was 150,000 more well my income was a little bit more and i'll tell you it doesn't take a big increase in the rent in order to get enough you know income to raise your mortgage by 10 or 15 percent. That's amazing. So okay. we're going to hear more after the break. Yep, we'll be right back. RealEstateToronto.com radio. We'll be right back. Annoying, frustrating. Of course, you're referring to me. Some days, enlightening, engaging. And now you're referring to yourself. Most days. <laughs> Just a few of the words employed to describe our show, The Mots. You'll come up with your own. Hi, we're The Mots, Paul and Carol. Inviting you to join us weekdays at 2 on Listen Up Talk Radio at talk-radio.ca. And there's an encore performance with Mots Weekend. You can check us out at themots.ca. Here's another word for you. Oh, I wouldn't go there. Hi, it's Paul Capelcante, host of The Vinyl Experience, with a couple of magic numbers for you to remember. This is real simple. Are you ready? Here we go. Nine and three. Every Sunday at 9 a.m., 3 p.m., 9 p.m., and for good measure, 3 a.m. on Monday. This is all Eastern Time. Your time's for The Vinyl Experience. and we're taking notes are we not we are taking notes we're taking notes so mark thank you again for joining us and uh an incredible chat so we wanted to know about principles you were you were leading up to that or yeah the the specific things you're looking for when you're trying to determine whether that investment something you're going to dig a little deeper into sure sure well i'll tell you the the first principle is that you want to find a building with a solid capitalization rate. In the industry, it's called cap rate. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's the return on investment. And when you have a good cap rate, and let's just say 5%, in Toronto, if you've had a building with a 5% return before mortgage payments or before debt service, that would be a good, that would be a good start. So that number's changed a lot over the years, though, because I remember going back to my early days in real estate, and the expectation was closer to 10 True enough. Yeah. Well, today's market, <laughs> um, you will see a lot of 3% yes. cap rates presented to you, yep. and many of them do sell. Yep. Yep. But uh, those are the, aren't the ones when it's your first investment to buy. Maybe when it's your 10th investment, mm. you can you know absorb a 3% return. But for your first investment, you've got to work a little harder and find... Now, there, there is... Um, uh, uh, Excuse me. If you do find a 3% cap rate, it may be okay to buy if, and the second principle is there's an opportunity to add value. Okay. And that's a very important, uh, no matter whether you buy a 3%, a 5%, or even a 10% cap, if you can't add value, you can't grow your business. Okay. So, Great you know, principle. can you change the kitchen pay, or paint the unit? Uh, 
fix up the floors and where your rent used to be a thousand now you're getting thirteen hundred right and if you have six or eight units that increase by three hundred dollars um, a month each well you, if you do the math yeah. you know three hundred dollars times six units times twelve months it's a big number yes. yeah. and it goes to the bottom line because your taxes don't increase and your expenses generally don't increase when your income increases so suddenly you add all that money to your bottom line the bank looks at your property and says hey it's worth more than it was right and that's a that's a fabulous um, example because we're always talking about uh, well we do so much talk about residential real estate and in this uh, in this part of real estate it isn't necessarily about square footage bricks and mortar lot size location it is about that return Location is a great thing, no matter what, what. Any kind of real estate you buy, location is great. But you're 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 absolutely right, Aura. Yeah, I'm a bit income more. is income and expense. Anytime you go to the, you're, you're sitting with your banker or your appraiser, income and expense is really all they want to talk about. Right. They don't care about Young and Eglinton, Yorkville, or you know, uh, secondary market. They they are interested in income. Right, right. So that's that's really interesting. Okay, so we've covered off two principles. Are there any others that you'd be looking for? Well, you know, the, the, getting back to it, location is a yeah. good thing. I mean, and uh, that's an important uh, issue. But you know, I think adding value and and starting at a good cap rate are probably the most important. It, location is important. Those are are really the the issues that you want to cover off in your first investment. And when you're referring to location, is that because that would be a good location for other tenants to for that would always be in demand for tenants? Well, you know, good location is not only demand for tenants, it's the, the quality of the tenant and, okay. the, and the potential of your investment. I mean, you can take a, uh, an apartment and, and fix it up nicely and get double the rent or triple the rent um, in a good location. You may not be able to do that in a secondary location. Usually good locations come with good jobs, uh, you know, people that are right. making... Uh, good opportunities for employment and higher income. Now, and, uh, I have yeah. I have spoken to investors that have talked about purposely going into those B and C markets because they find that well, it may be perceived that the tenant isn't necessarily what you'd consider to be a good tenant. They actually are your hardworking, um, you know, your minimum to just above minimum a, uh, wage earners. But they're hardworking. They're young. They have families. And therefore, there's always a demand and there's a transportation nearby or employment and schools nearby so that you always get this solid group of tenants. That's an important uh, um, factor. in, and, and you can cover that off by looking at uh, CMHC, Canada Mortgage and Housing Reports. They'll show you the, uh, income, annual income for locations like at, uh, any secondary market, they'll break it down from neighborhood to neighborhood. Oh. They'll show you vacancy rates. And so you can use scientific data to determine w where you want to invest and where you're going to acquire the integrity to your income. Right. And, right. and once you have that, you've got all the bankers uh, are ready to open the vault for you to refinance you and let you, you know, grow your business to your second, third, or fourth building. I had a question about your first property. Uh, now, you were talking about the cap rate. When you go to the bank and you're saying, hey, this is what I'd like to do, and I'd like to get a mortgage, how critically are they looking at uh, vacancy rates and turnover? Uh, because obviously, if, if 
if you're in a revenue uh, minus position where you're not bringing in enough to service the mortgage, you have to pony up that money yourself each month. How critical, critically are they looking at that sort of information? You know, there, there is a, it's, it's a good question, Todd. Um, th- there is a, a formula that is actually quite a simple formula. It would probably take me, you know, mm. 20 minutes to, to explain it to you. But there's a formula for expenses. Income, um, well, income generally is what are you getting for your apartments. And bankers and appraisers look at the general income, and they check that out to averages in the, in the neighborhood. But there's also how do you determine what expenses are? Um, I may be losing money where the, the next guy is making money, um, and, and what is the difference? Well, those expenses are standardized. And so the, the bankers, they really don't need to look at your books. They need to, they have their own numbers. They know what your taxes are. They know what your insurance should be. They know what your maintenance numbers should be. You may be spending double the maintenance, or you may be spending half the maintenance, they have their own number, right. and so the, the bankers and appraisers they come with their they're basically they come with their own numbers. That's interesting. You may be running a, a building as a, a in a loss um, a position for two years. A banker wouldn't look at it that way. They would say, "No, uh, well, you may be a bad manager, but right. <laughs> you, but you know your building should be doing this." And they would really be willing to to um, lend you money based on that. Now, if it's true that you are a bad manager, then they, you know it is a requirement in the mortgage that you have to prove that you're either a good manager or that you hire a good manager. But um, uh, bankers look at a formula and 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 your building is going to qualify for financing based on the formula, regardless of your income. Wow. You know, you just gave me an idea because my next question was going to be, aside from finding a fabulous realtor to represent you when you do your purchases, mm-hmm. um, yes. where do you where do you find these amazing properties? Because what we do know is most of the best ones never hit MLS. And my, just while you were bringing that up, I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great to find a really poorly managed building with all the right stuff going on, but whoever's owning it today is just managing it poorly? Because that, to me, is an, is an obvious quick uh, improvement. Yeah. Yeah, I can make an improvement on this. Absolutely. I'll, I'll tell you when I was um, when I'm when I am and uh, looking for for a building to buy, I generally talk to many real estate agents, and it's it's I, I know when I see a building that's undermanaged. Right. I know where I can see that the I usually can see it when I pull up on the, from the street and I, I look at it. I go, this this owner doesn't care about this building, and it's you know the landscaping is poorly done and the paint is poorly applied and I bet he's getting lower rent than he could and right. and I make all those determinations. So what I really want from a real estate agent is to show me as many buildings as they can. And uh, as an educated investor, I can determine one by one which one is the is the right deal and which one isn't. Now sometimes you find a realtor that is very knowledgeable about investment properties and he'll call me and say, "Mark, I found a building that meets all these criteria. It's undermanaged and all, the, all those good things, and I know it's a good investment for you. But mostly, you need to talk with many real, real estate agents, and they're not all um, informed uh, no. on, on the, the how to buy a building. And there, are, there are a few that specialize. Oh, in I, oh I agree, and I'm, I'm a big believer in, as a realtor, is if, if you're finding yourself uh, asked questions or 
to be doing something that you've never done before, you should be seeking out the knowledge of someone else. And, and like you did in your very first purchase, find another realtor who can maybe help you and you'll share the client. Find, find a building and share the expenses. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. And it's the quickest way for any of us to learn what we're doing anyway. Our, our, we're just coming up to another commercial break here. Um, are you going to stick around for a few minutes when we come back? Anything I can do to help. Awesome. Okay. You'll see Mulholland and Ross, realestatetoronto.com radio. So what's new today is I'm getting an incredible education about commercial, well, not commercial properties, but residential, but multi-unit residential. That's right. That's right. So if you could, if you could give our listeners and, and Todd and myself any advice uh, today, um, assuming, you know, we sh- what, what would that be? What would that be? Well, well, Laura, I would <laughs> say get started. And, and it really doesn't mean um, uh, you have to buy a huge building. You should, you know, two units is fine, four units. You know, the more the better. There is an economy of scale. Yes. But you've got to get into the real estate market. It's, um, uh, it, it, it can be your retirement. It could be your full-time job. You never know where it's going to take you. But you've got to get in somewhere. And so get out there. Find a property that's right. I think the, the investment of your time is going to be well worth it. I've, I've heard that, that people spend an average of 10 hours in a lifetime on their retirement plan. Wow. And, and that which is, you know, if you would spend 10 hours a month, you, you, you can you imagine how much better you could do? Wow. So get out there and buy something and watch how quickly it does grow. But educate yourself as well. Make yeah. sure you know what you want because when you see it, it'll pop out at you. So, I mean, I, I will just add in there, I probably, if I were going out, and I'm a realtor for 27 years, if I were going out and doing this today, I know I'd have a team. I know I'd have a good lawyer looking at everything. I know I'd have my accountant looking at those books. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, um, it's important to have the right accountant uh, in order to do your taxes properly. Yeah. It's important to have the right uh, attorney, a realtor and lawyer, uh, yeah. all those. But, um, and you know, the right real estate agent yeah. is, is very important as well. Yeah. And then, um, and then I love that piece about you don't need to do it alone. You can, you know, find a partner and maybe, you know, uh, maybe not your best friend, just maybe somebody who you feel would be a great partner on this project. They don't have to be your partner on all your projects. Absolutely not. You may not even want them to be your partner on more than one. Um, right. You know, spread your partnerships around. But you also included in the group, I'd like to tell you, 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 you do need a banker. Okay. And um, it's one of the great things about residential real estate or multi-residential real estate is that you can get CMHC financing, which means you don't have to put down more than 15% for an apartment building. I know for a house, uh, right. you might even be able to get more leverage. So you don't need as much money as you think as long as you buy the right deal. You can finance 85%. And so when you look at a big number for a piece of real estate in Toronto or a secondary market, you're, you're really looking at 15% of, of, of what you need to come up with. So wow, talk to great. the bankers. They're happy to lend the money. Um, talk to two or three bankers, and they'll put you through to their multi-residential um, uh, 
division within the bank, and there is one, and they'll tell you what they can do for you, and, and um, uh, leverage is, is a, a, a great tool. To <laughs> I love that word. Nice. We've got to run. I want to thank you so much, Mark, for everything you've shared, and I think that uh, our listeners will also chime in that we'd love to have you back. Okay, well, anytime. I feel free to call. Thank you so and much. I think anything that Mark said in the last two minutes where we did the wrap, I'm going to erase because I don't want anyone else to know this information <laughs> because you and I need to start and we can't have competition. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, very you so much. much. I appreciate it. Join us right back here next Sunday at 4 p.m. on realestatetoronto.com radio.